You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the Fan Side Network. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Today, we have plenty to talk about. There is some new mock draft uh, type information from ESPN to cover. There's a tiers ranking done by Kevin Pelton, a fantastic analyst um, who's very analytically minded at ESPN. That's kind of his, um, I guess, his uh, expertise. So I want to talk through his tiers in the draft, what he thinks about LaMelo Ball on down. And then I want to talk about Oklahoma City as a potential trade destination for the number one pick. I mentioned them as part of Jonathan Gavoni's article. I think this was on Monday. He'd written an article for ESPN in which he talked about LaMelo Ball as as the likely favorite for the number one pick, which of course was the opposite of the James Wiseman report from Bleacher Report over the weekend. And he talks about ball, but then lists some different trade destinations. And um, I mentioned this the other day, but we hadn't really spent much time talking about the Thunder. We talked about the other destinations. He mentioned Chicago, Detroit a little bit, or actually quite a bit over the past several months, but we haven't really talked about Oklahoma City. So this was a new name for me to consider. So I'd like to spend at least a, a few minutes talking about what the Thunder could offer, what the Timberwolves would certainly ask for from Oklahoma City if they were going to pull the trigger on a trade to send the number one pick to the Thunder. So that will be a uh, the the last thing we covered today. Before we get into all that, though, as always, a quick reminder to please subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On T Wolves. That's at Locked On T Wolves. Don't forget the T. All right, so ESPN Tears is the first thing that I want to talk about today. This was um, done. This is actually released uh, Monday. This is Kevin Pelton over at ESPN. And instead of, if you're not familiar with the tier system, I guess the, the quick 10 seconds on it is instead of just straight ranking a big board, um, it attempts to identify where, where the layers are in, in the big board and the draft board. So, you know, is pick one worth exponentially more than pick two in a draft like this based on the big board, based on the tiers? For instance, the Zion Williamson draft, the answer is yes. Zion was in a tier by himself, no question. There's been arguments that there's a, a tier one this year of LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, and James Wiseman. That's kind of the assumption that many of us have been operating under. But Kevin Pelton feels strongly that there is a one tier or a one player first tier. That prospect he's got in tier one by himself is LaMelo Ball. And he spends a bit of time in his commentary on this um, over at ESPN comparing LaMelo to his brother, talking about how Lonzo always had a ceiling of a good role player, good starter, not necessarily superstar, whereas LaMelo's his uh, he's more scoring minded than Lonzo and um you know, maybe the floor is a little bit lower, but the ceiling is definitely higher. And because of his passing wizardry, court vision, et cetera, size, all the things I've talked about at length here on the show, he's got LaMelo Ball as a clear tier one player. And I think that that's really interesting. And also I mentioned the, uh, the Zach Lowe podcast on, on Tuesday's show, Zach Lowe had on the low post podcast, he had on the two other ESPN draft experts, Jonathan Gavoni and Mike Schmitz. And both of them felt the same way that LaMelo was in a tier by himself. So that is a really stark difference from many of the other non-ESPN draft experts out there. Tier two, interestingly, it has two players. One of them is Anthony Edwards, but the other player in Kevin Pelton's second tier is not James Wiseman. It is, in fact, Tyrese Halliburton, 
the Iowa State wing, who uh, he feels has some upside um, as a, uh, or really actually a high floor plus an, plus some upside as a scorer, but but certainly a floor as a solid role player and defender, which is pretty interesting. Tier three, he's got Denis Avdia, Anyeka Kongwu, and there's James Wiseman in tier three. Um, I, I want to point out in tier four, he's got Killian Hayes. Uh, you may recall, I've had Killian Hayes in the top three on my big board, all three iterations. I, I really think he could be a better version of D'Angelo Russell, which is obviously a high a high you know bar to clear. I mean, Russell was an all-star in what, his fourth NBA season? He's still only 24. And um, you know, obviously, Russell has his issues. But, and Killian Hayes is only 19, but he talks about actually the same thing about how Hayes, he said he was struck by the similarities between Hayes and D'Angelo Russell. Hayes could be better at getting to the basket and probably will be a better defender. And then as Pelton says, that would make him an awfully valuable player if he can get to Russell's level as a pull-up shooter. So he has Killian Hayes in tier four and says he's he will be a lottery pick and said he would be the player in tier four he'd consider moving to five. In tier four, he's also got Isaac Okoro, Aaron Nesmith, Obi Toppin and Devin Vassell. He's also got RJ Hampton, who I just profiled yesterday. I think he was number 19 on my big board 3.0. And I do not think all that highly of Hampton, but he's still got him as a lottery pick. Basically, I would assume based on his athleticism. And then from there, some of the other names that we've talked about a little bit, um, Sadiq Bey, Josh Green are both in tier 5A, Tyrese Maxey, Patrick Williams, he's gotten 5A. Of course, Williams has gotten a lot of steam lately as rising up the draft board for many teams, um, but he's got him down in tier 5A, which would be kind of like a mid-teens pick. Um, So you do need an ESPN Plus subscription to read the full article, read the full commentary, but the notable ones for me were Lamella Ball being in a tier by himself, Halliburton being in tier two instead of Wiseman, Wiseman down in tier three, and then Killian Hayes is kind of a tier 4A-esque player who Pelton would put in tier three uh, or was close to put in in tier three, which would make him basically a top 10 pick, uh, top eight pick. So um, go on over to ESPN, check that out if you do have ESPN plus. And then the other thing I want to mention from ESPN is the grade A mock draft. Um, I know I said on Tuesday that Gavoni was going to release his mock on Wednesday. It isn't up as of this recording. I'm sure it will be up perhaps by the time you're listening to this. So I will talk about that on Thursday's show, assuming that uh, this isn't the mock draft he was talking about. This is the grade A NBA mock draft. Um, and this was basically done with a combination of Givoni, Schmitz, and Pelton taking turns drafting. And then there's a bunch of analysis, video clips, et cetera. Um, if you find this on ESPN's website, this is again, an ESPN plus article. Um, but I will just talk about the players and, and where they uh, where they end up. So number one, uh, Schmitz, Mike Schmitz has the first pick. He has ball going to Minnesota. And the quick blurb that he says is the draft's best playmaker at six foot seven ball is the most talented prospect in this class and a true entertainer on the floor with remarkable vision handle and touch despite defensive concerns alongside D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns ball would electrify the Minnesota fan base and give the Timberwolves one of the league's most skilled 25 and under trios. End quote from Mike Schmitz. Uh, I agree with all that. I think that, um, you know, I've had ball number one on my on my last couple of versions of the big board. And um, as I've talked about fairly extensively, I think the playmaking, the size, the upside is all kind of really difficult to pass on. So it makes sense for him to go one to the Wolves. Uh, just a couple notables here quickly, and I'm not going to read through the whole thing, but they've got Wiseman going second to the Warriors, Akongwu third to the Hornets, and Edwards fourth to the Bulls, which is interesting. Um, Obi Toppin sliding to seven to Detroit Hayes at eight to the Knicks. And then as you get down closer to the Timberwolves pick at 17, this mock draft actually has a couple of players who I don't have nearly this high on my big board, Jalen Smith going 13 to the Pelicans, uh, and then precious Achua going 14 to the Celtics. 
that means that Sadiq Bay in this version of their mock draft is on the board at 17 for the Wolves and they have the Wolves taking Sadiq Bay. And then this is also Mike Schmitz. He says, after taking a swing at the top with ball, the Wolves could use some stability with this pick. Bay brings ideal defensive versatility, a career 41.8%, three-point rate, and a solid feel for the game. Young core of ball, Russell Towns, Bay, Jarrett Culver, Josh Kogan, and Malik Beasley, who's a restricted free agent, offers a nice blend of offensive firepower and defensive flexibility. I couldn't agree more. If, if the Wolves come out of this draft with ball and Bay, after all the noise about trading or selling or trading out or whatever with these picks, that would be awesome come out of here with a 21 year old three and D guy in Bay. Who's going to be a legit defender, legit shooter with just a little bit of upside, but a great floor Lamella ball with a sky high upside. Um, I mean, that rotation is going to be competitive. They're going to put up 120 points a night and they probably will be good enough defensively, at least in the regular season to be a playoff team immediately. And even in the Western conference, I truly believe that that a offense with ball, Russell towns at a 40% three point shooter in Bay you know, and then you have a Kogi Culver and Bay as all above average defenders at most likely. And then if Beasley's on this team, I mean, I really, truly believe if they come out of this draft with Bay and ball, this is, this team has a legit shot at a playoff spot. Now, what they would do in the playoffs is completely, a completely different question. I think the defense would, would need to be shored up quite a bit at some point before uh, any sort of a playoff series, but this team would be a ton of fun to watch at the very least. So uh, that's the great NBA mock draft over at ESPN on ESPN plus. Go check that out if you do have ESPN Plus. Um, they did a really good job on on kind of uh, you know giving a well rounded view of each player for this, so it's a good read. Uh, what I'd like to do next is um, unpack Oklahoma City as a trade destination. Um, I think I'll actually spend a few more minutes on this than I thought initially because I think the idea is fascinating, and we haven't really talked about the possibility of three team trades because there's all these Chris Paul rumors out there now too. It seems pretty unlikely the Wolves end up with Chris Paul, so could there be a three team deal that involves Chris Paul that? involves the Wolves getting a, a significant asset back and also sending out the first pick. So uh, we're going to do that next. First, though, the NBA draft is days away and the Locked On NBA podcast is mock drafting every single first round pick. Of course, I took part in this. Basically, what we did is we all made our selections and uh, and submitted those. So I had the first pick, the 17th pick, and there were some trades. I did try and make some trades. Spoiler alert, I did not make any, but I talk a little bit in these pod, this series of podcasts on the Locked On NBA network. Um, about the the process behind the scenes, almost making some trades. You can listen to the Locked On NBA podcast every single day leading up to the draft to hear projections of each pick and expert analysis from Chad Ford, the Athletics' John Hollinger, and Sports Illustrated's Jeremy Wu. They will all give reaction on all of our picks. So yours truly picked at 1 in 17. You'll hear what Chad, John, and Jeremy Wu have to say. Check the feed at Locked On NBA to catch up on past shows and don't miss a pick. Subscribe to Locked On NBA today wherever you get your podcasts. Before we get to the thunder, though, let's talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar of all time. It was already fantastic. They've released six brand new delicious flavors as well as a new taste, new packaging, and new logo. There were already 12 original amazing flavors. There's now six brand new ones. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. The bars are all covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They're perfect if you're health conscious, trying to lose or maintain your weight while indulging in a delicious treat. All the bars are low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber, and perfect if you're on a keto diet. Right now for limited time only, you can get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to builtbar.com, use promo code locked on. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. Okay, we're going to talk about the Thunder pick, but 
as I'm recording this, I guess I guess this is kind of breaking news. I'm recording this early on Wednesday, the 11th, and Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer has tweeted out uh, the following. I'm just going to read it. I, I just saw this. Uh, within the last five minutes, he tweets, Sources, the Timberwolves are attempting to acquire a second lottery pick. They've had talks with the Hawks for number six. A possible deal could include Jarrett Culver and number 17. A number of teams are interested in Atlanta's number six pick, the Pelicans and Celtics among them, sources say. Also, he says, uh, who would teams move be move? Who would teams be moving up for? Excuse me. Sources say Florida State wing Patrick Williams is a main target. The Wolves are high on Iowa State guard Tyrese Halliburton. And then he says draft night will get wild. Um, I think I mentioned this before. We're doing a live draft show here at Lockdown NBA with um, you know all the different Lockdown um, hosts jumping on when their team picks. I feel like we're going to be jumping on and off this this live show quite a bit because uh, I mean how many trades are actually going to happen? There still hasn't been a lift on the moratorium on trades. So how many, how many things are going to happen on draft night? Um, I mean, there hasn't really been any steam related to the wolves and Halliburton or the wolves and Williams necessarily at the, at this, to this point. And also obviously all the, all the grains of salt apply here that, uh, you know, just because a team talks to somebody doesn't mean that they're hell bent on acquiring a second lottery pick. It could have just been a broader part of the conversation with the Hawks. Who knows? Maybe the Wolves are still asking about John Collins or, um, you know, maybe the Hawks are trying to get to one to get LaMelo Ball. And the Wolves said, well, actually, how do you feel about 17 if you give us six and and we throw in something else? And, uh, you know, who knows? I, this is probably just like one tentacle of this whole thing. But it's a fascinating rumor that now I'm, I guess, reacting to basically uh, off the cuff. Um I mean, Culver in 17 for the six would be would be a dramatic shift and just giving up on Culver very quickly, which I'm okay with if the Wolves are getting, I mean, you're talking about a guy who Culver was picked six just last year in um, in a, a draft that is, was genuine, generally thought of as a better class than this year's draft. Could the Wolves, I mean, basically then you're giving up the 17th pick, which they just traded for this year to get a do-over in a draft that's usually generally not thought of as, as good as last year's draft. That said, there's a lot to like about that, you know, five to 15 range of a bunch of these three and D type players. And two of them are mentioned here. Therese Halberton's more, more guard than he is true wing. And, and Patrick Williams is probably more of a four than he is a, a three. Um, but both of those players are really intriguing targets and uh, just, you know, pulling up where I have them on my big board uh, Patrick Williams is a, a pretty high riser for me. I had him all the way up at seven on my big board and I've Halberton at four. Both of those spots are higher than where most draft analysts have those guys going in the draft or at least have them on their respective big boards. But I'm pretty high on both players. And, and you know, if the Wolves moved up to six, that's right in between where I have those guys ranked. And here's the thing. If you miss out somehow on both of those players, I mean, that means that Devin Vassell is going to be there or maybe Obi Toppin is going to be there, or Isaac Okoro, or Sadiq Bey. And I, I get that we're at the point now, we've been talking about this draft class for so long, you can talk yourself into thinking that some of these guys are, are you know, the second coming of Michael Jordan or something, but or at least the second coming of a competent 3 and D player, which the Wolves haven't really ever had. But these are all solid prospects with good floors. I mean, all the guys I just listed, uh, you know, at worst should be rotation players as rookies. And Jarrett Culver, he was by default, but he didn't play like a rotation player. And, and all these guys, I think, will have better rookie years than Jarrett Culver did last year. Now, it won't quite be apples to apples, and I don't want to bury Jarrett because he's, uh, I think, still got quite a bit of upside remaining. Um, and clearly would be, you know, I mean, he'd 
he'd be seen as valuable if the Hawks were willing to slide back nine spots to pick up Jared Culver. Now, uh, the Hawks also have a ton of wings, so I don't know if Culver makes a ton of sense for them unless they think the combination of his, the defense that he already brings to the table and his eventual offensive upside is better than some of their, you know, they have guys like Kevin Herter, who's not a good defender. Um, they have a couple other younger wings that aren't great defenders. Um, over there as well. So maybe that's their thought process, but just kind of a fascinating rumor. And and I guess I'll, I'll think on this a bit more and perhaps come back to it on Thursday if anything else breaks. Uh, but it's a uh, really interesting to think about. All right. Now back to what I wanted to talk about, which is the thunder. Um, the report there, there's been, there was a report yesterday, I think first from ESPN uh, that the Suns and the thunder had discussions regarding a Chris Paul trade. Now, a couple of things. First of all, I don't, like this for the Suns. I'm I'm an unapologetic Ricky Rubio fan, and I think that Ricky Rubio brings enough of a percentage of what Chris Paul brings, and uh, at a fraction of the cost. Chris Paul's making like 42 million next year, um, and I, I just don't know that Chris Paul would be all that psyched to play in Phoenix. I get that they're up and coming with DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker and everybody else and uh, Kelly Oubre, but. I don't know. I just don't see that making a ton of sense. It really felt to me like Ricky Rubio was a big part of that team in, in terms of being their heart and soul veteran leader, all that stuff last year. So whatever that ends up being, and I guess it doesn't necessarily mean that Ricky Rubio is part of the deal, but I would assume he would be. Um, so what does this mean for the Wolves? Well, there's an article written um, by uh, the Oklahoman. And if if uh, you're not aware, I actually live in Oklahoma City. So I read the Oklahoman. And uh, there's an article by Joe Masato, Masato at the Oklahoman And he lists three possibilities for the Thunder to try and trade up and get the number one pick from the Wolves. And they range from, I mean, they're all intriguing, really. So his first scenario, I'll just read the scenarios first and then I'll react to him. So he's got, this is Joe Masato Masato at the Oklahoma and says the Thunder would trade Chris Paul, Hamadou Diallo, their 25th pick in this year's draft, next year's pick that they own, that's the Heat or the Rockets, and then a 2024 pick all to the Timberwolves for the number one pick and James Johnson. Now, I don't, this, those salaries don't work. There would need to be some maneuvering because Chris Paul makes so much money. Basically, the Wolves would need to find 20 some million somewhere um, or in space. So, I mean, this doesn't quite add up, but there, I mean, you, know, you could add a third team, you could find a way to dump some salary, I, I guess. Um, it would be complicated. I think you'd have to send Jared Culver somewhere um, and they certainly would be in in the tax. And and I guess being in the tax from last year, you want to avoid the repeater penalty. So there's, I, I just don't see this happening. But interestingly, um, Masato says, who says no? Chris Paul probably would because he won't want to play in Minnesota after spending a year in OKC and probably the Timberwolves. I actually think the Timberwolves would probably do this, although they would flip Chris Paul elsewhere. You don't need D'Angelo Russell and Chris Paul. And um, But the Wolves would be getting three first round picks and Amadou Diallo in this deal. So I, it's just kind of, that doesn't really make sense. It's not going to happen. But the second one got me thinking a little bit. And I'll read the second one first and then and then I'll react to it and, and kind of spin off of it a little bit. But this is, instead of involving Chris Paul, this suggested trade from the Oklahoman is the Thunder trading Shea Gilgis-Alexander to Minnesota straight up for the number one pick. Now, um, I'm sure something else would go back to the Thunder in the actual trade. Maybe it's Amari Spellman just to kind of wash out those contracts and the Thunder may want to see what Spellman's got since they're rebuilding. Um, and I, I actually do think the Wolves would need to add more than just the number one overall pick to get Gilgis-Alexander. So uh, this is actually something that that was brought up on Zach Lowe's podcast, and Masato notes that. Um, Masato also says that the Thunder would probably say no. 
He says, in fact, it's hard to imagine the offer being entertained by Sam Presti. It's trading the known for the unknown. The only way this trade makes sense is if the Thunder views Ball as a can't-miss superstar and views Gilgis Alexander as a fringe star who's better suited as a second option. The Timberwolves, to some degree, would have to believe the opposite. If I'm the Timberwolves, and this is me talking now, this trade's a slam dunk. I mean, Gilgis Alexander was just the, i probably argue, the second best player, maybe third best player at worst, on a team that surprised everyone and pushed their, you know, came to the playoffs and pushed their uh, matchup to the brink in the first round that wasn't expected to be good this year. He's only two years into his career. He's uh, 22 years old. He just turned 22 this summer. And he is basically, I mean, he's not, I don't know that I'd call him a three and D player. He's not a, a sharpshooter, but he's an above average three point shooter and a solid defender who can play both guard spots. I mean, this is, I mean, it's exactly what, what the Oklahoman says. It's trading the unknown for the known. And if you're the Wolves, you take a 22-year-old guy who's going to improve your wing defense and your perimeter shooting any day of the week. Um, so I don't think, he's right. I don't think the Thunder do this. I don't even think they really consider it. But is there a possibility for the Wolves to get involved in a three-team deal that lands them Gilgis Alexander and potentially lands the Thunder the first pick in this year's draft because I do think OKC probably is going to think highly of LaMelo Ball just based on their track record and their analytics savvy off uh, front office. Um, they also signed LiAngelo Ball to their G League team, the uh, the Blue, recently. So there's a little bit of, uh, I guess, additional incentive there. Is there a way for the Wolves to somehow make this happen? I want to talk about that next. Okay, if we buy that the Timberwolves are not going to be able to get Shea Gilgis-Alexander from the Oklahoma City Thunder simply for the first pick, and certainly not for like, uh, you know, they're not going to get Gilgis-Alexander and the 25th pick in the draft for the first pick. But could there be a third team involved that wants Chris Paul? The Thunder are going to look at trading Chris Paul and would love to shed his salary. Is there a, a, a team out there that could be a landing spot for Chris Paul to make this happen? Now, the biggest issue is his contract. There's going to have to be a lot of moving pieces. So, the destinations that make the most sense to me are teams like the New York Knicks, who of course have the eighth pick in the draft. Also the Phoenix Suns, who I just talked about as a potential Chris Paul landing spot. Those two places would be interesting. So I played around a little bit with the uh, the tradenba.com trade machine, which includes all draft picks and trade exceptions. And, and honestly, is a little bit slicker than the ESPN one and more up to date and accurate. Um, here's what I put together. And this isn't it, uh, certainly, and it's, it actually doesn't quite work salary-wise, but it's close. Uh, this would be the Timberwolves. This is just me kind of piecing together the fact that the, the Knicks would love Chris Paul. They'd love the first pick, either one of those assets. The Thunder, I'm sure, would love to get off of Chris Paul. They'd love to get the first pick. And the Wolves are just trying to make the most of, of their assets. So I'll start with what the Wolves would get. The Wolves would get Shea Gilgis-Alexander from the Thunder, Reggie Bullock from the Knicks, and then I'm hoping that they would also get the number eight pick from the Knicks and the 2021 Miami slash Houston pick. It's a pick swap swap that the Thunder have. So we don't yet know, obviously, where that pick's going to be. But you pick up a draft selection likely late in the first round in 2021. But still, it's a stacked draft. The Wolves don't have any. And you slide from one to eight in this year's draft while picking up SGA and Bullock, who's a, a rotation-worthy wing player. The Thunder would get the number one overall pick in this year's draft. They would also get Frank Nilakina from the Knicks to fill that back, that point guard spot. I'm still a little bit upside there. Omari Spellman from the Wolves. The Knicks would get the uh, uh, first round pick this year from the Thunder, the, that 25th pick in this year's draft. So they're sliding down from eight to 25, but they also get Chris Paul. Now, 
again, the salary doesn't quite work here. It's closed. Um, the Wolves would pick up, would gain a little bit of salary here. They'd probably, maybe they send, you know, maybe it's Jarrett Culver going to the Thunder as well um, to give them somebody else with some upside. So maybe it's it's Culver, Nilakina, Spellman, and the number one pick to the Thunder. I mean, for giving up Chris Paul, that makes some sense, but they're also giving up SGA and a couple of, of first rounders. So the Thunder, I think, would be happy with that. And then it's just, are the Knicks um, able to shed enough salary to take to absorb Chris Paul's 41 plus million this year? Um, you know, can they move Julius Randle somewhere? Probably. Um, remember last offseason, the Knicks kind of stacked their books with a bunch of these two and three year deals that are fairly tradable, but also pricey. Um, so, you know, Wayne Ellington's getting overpaid a little bit there. Let's see. Let's look at their other salaries. Um, Julius Randle, 19 million over the next couple of years. Taj Gibson, 9.4 million this year. Uh, Wayne Ellington, $8 million for this year. Alfred Payton, $8 million for this year. Um, so all those salaries, you could find somewhere to put those. You could find a fourth team or maybe do a separate deal kind of concurrently to move some of those guys. Um, and, and I think that and the Knicks have enough first-round picks or future picks as well that they could sweeten the pot if they need to to move those deals. And if I know anything about Tom Thibodeau, and if I know anything about the Knicks, they would love to get a big-name player like Chris Paul. And even if it doesn't make a ton of sense... It feels like the sort of place you can make this happen. They've still, you know, I'm sure they'd want to hang on to RJ Barrett and I'm sure that they would, you know, they've got some other Mitchell Robinson, some players with some upside and some intrigue uh, that to pair with Chris Paul, I guess. And then you're still going to have, um, you're going to pick up the 25th pick in this year's draft. You could pick a, a player there, um, probably a big man to, to fit that roster. So from the Knicks perspective, I think you'd have to do a little bit of convincing, but Again, being the Knicks, being Tibbs, I don't know how much convincing we'd actually have to do. For the Wolves, you're giving up the number one pick, you're giving up Amari Spellman, who's as good as gone anyways, and you're getting you're only sliding from one to eight and picking up um, a first round pick, Bullock next year, Bullock and SGA. They'd almost have to send out another asset. Maybe it's the 17. Um, so as I talk through this, maybe the 17 also goes to the Knicks. So the Knicks are getting Chris Paul, the 17 and the 25. The Thunder are getting Didalakina. Um, Omari Spellman, Jarrett Culver, and the number one pick. The Wolves are getting Bullock, Gilgis Alexander, the eight pick, and the uh, the first round pick next year, the late first round pick that's going to be Miami or Houston. So that to me seems fairly fair, if you will, all the way around. And uh, certainly convoluted, but the Wolves end up with their third star. I truly believe Gilgis Alexander is the perfect fit with the Timberwolves and next to D'Angelo Russell have a couple of guards that are six, five in the backcourt that are long. Um, Gilgis Alexander is versatile and Bullock can, you know, fill in on the wing. He can take Jared Culver's minutes and be an upgrade there, at least in the short term. Um, just I, this trade makes a ton of sense to me really for all, all sides. Now, again, if you're the thunder, you have to be sold on rebuilding and sold on, on who you're going to take number one. If you're giving up Shea Gilgis Alexander, they're also maybe going to get another pick along the way as part of this deal too. I mean, I mean, there could be a fourth team. There's some massaging to do there, but I think if you're the Thunder, that's probably enough um, to make this deal happen. Because remember, even if you really like SGA, is he going to be one A on a championship team? You can make the argument he's the type of player. I mean, that's the type of player the Thunder are going to try and acquire. It's the same reason the Wolves aren't going to turn around and trade Carl Anthony Towns because they're trying to acquire a young star, right? I mean, they, they, the whole name of the game is to find stars. So if you're the Thunder and you think SGA is a star, then you're probably not too motivated to trade him unless you don't think he's the type of guy you can truly build a team around in 2021. And, and you think he's more of an ancillary star, which is exactly what I think he is. I think he's a really good ancillary star and he would be a perfect fit as a third wheel in Minnesota. So I think the Thunder would need to be convinced. I mean, 
again, in this deal, they're giving up too late first themselves. They're getting back the number one pick. They're getting back Frank Nidalekina, Jarrett Culver, and Omari Spellman. That may not be enough to get this done. I mean, they may ask for somebody back from the Knicks. Maybe they push for RJ Barrett to try and backfill Gilgis Alexander's spot. Um, but the more I talk through this, I think that's probably where the complications are going to be is convincing the Thunder that SGA is worth moving um, in a deal like this. But again, if the Thunder think that LaMelo Ball is going to be an all-star in a couple of years, then maybe they make this trade. Um, you know, that, that would be an incentive for them to do it, certainly. All right. Fascinating. There's going to be a lot more of these to talk about. Um, and I have a feeling that our daily shows in the next week here, the drafts a week from today, they're going to get longer and longer as these trades surface, these rumors surface, I should say. I would also be shocked if anything actually happens before draft night, maybe 24 hours before. Remember last year, the Wolves didn't make that trade um, up in the draft to number six to take Culver until like an hour or two before the draft. Um, so these things, uh, it's still there's going to be a lot of rumors flying, but I don't think we're going to know anything really for sure until 24 hours or so before draft night. Um, again, stay tuned to the Lockdown NBA feed this week. I believe today and probably now by the time you're listening to this, the um, the the Lockdown NBA mock drafts are getting posted on the Lockdown NBA feed. And so yours truly, of course, has the first pick to so be sure to listen to that. And then also Chad Ford and John Hollinger's analysis of the number one pick and Jeremy Wu as well from Sports Illustrated. Um, so be sure to check that out. All right. That's all we have for you today here at Locked on Wolves. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked on Wolves podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On T Wolves. That's at Locked On T Wolves. Don't forget the T. Also, a reminder this is a daily podcast, Monday through Friday. So don't miss the next handful of shows. I guess there's only like four more shows before the draft. And I'm sure we'll have new news every day and rumors to discuss. So be sure to subscribe and check us out daily. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.